The Most Holy Incarnation Part 18 Feast Picture I saw that the festival of the purification celebrated also in the spiritual church. It was filled with angelic choirs, and in the center above them I saw the Most Holy Trinity, and in it something like a void. In the middle of the church stood an altar, and on it a tree with broad pendant leaves, similar to the trees in paradise by which Adam fell. I saw the Blessed Virgin with the child Jesus in her arms, floating up from the earth to the altar, while the tree on the same inclined low before her and began to wither. A magnificent angel in priestly garments, a halo around his head, approached Mary. She gave him the child, and he laid it upon the altar. At that instant I saw the most holy trinity as ever before in its fullness. I saw the angel give to Mary a little shining ball whereon was the figure of a swathed child, and I saw her with this gift hovering over the altar. From all sides I saw crowds of poor people approaching Mary with lights. She reached those lights to the child on the ball into which they seemed to pass, and then to reappear. I saw that all these lights united into one, which spread over Mary and the child, and illumined all things. Mary had extended her wide mantle over the whole earth, and now there was a festival. I think that the withering of the tree of knowledge at Mary's appearance, and the offering of the child to the Most Holy Trinity, signified the reuniting of the human race with God, and through Mary those scattered lights became one light, in the light of Jesus, and illumined all things. Part 19. Death of Holy Simeon I saw that Simeon, after prophesying in the temple, returned home and fell sick. I saw him on his couch, giving his last advice to his wife and sons, and imparting to them his joy. And I saw him die. There were several old Jews and priests praying around him. When he had breathed his last, they carried the body into another room, where without stripping it, it was washed. The body was laid on a board pierced with holes, under which was a copper basin to receive the water as it fell. A large sheet was thrown over the corpse, and under that the washing was performed. Green leaves and herbs were then strewn plentifully over it, and a wide cloth bound firmly around it, as is done in the swathing of a child. The corpse was so stiff and straight that I was tempted to think it was bound to a board. The burial took place in the evening. Six men with lights carried the corpse on a board, with low curved sides to the sepulchre, hewn in a hill not far from the temple. It was entered through an oblique door. The interior walls were ornamented with stars and various figures, like the Blessed Virgin's cell at the temple. I noticed the same kind of ornamentation in St. Benedict's first cloister. The corpse was deposited in the center of the little cave, the passage around it being left free. Then some religious rites were solemnized. They laid all kinds of things around the corpse, coins and little stones and leaves, I think. I do not now remember all distinctly. Simeon was related to Veronica, and through his father with Zachary also. His son served in the temple were always, though in secret, on terms of friendship with Jesus and his relatives. Some of them before and some after the ascension of our Lord 
joined the disciples. At the time of the first persecution, they did much for the community. Part 20. Return of the Holy Family to Nazareth They saw the Holy Family returning to Nazareth by a much more direct route than that by which they had gone to Bethlehem. On their first journey, they had shunned the inhabited districts and seldom put up at an inn, but now they took the straight route, which was much shorter. Joseph had in his cloak pocket some little rolls of thin, yellow, shining leaves on which were letters. He had received them from the holy kings. The shekels of Judas were thicker than in the form of a tongue. I saw the holy family arrive at Anne's in Nazareth. The eldest sister of Mary, Mary Helly, with her daughter Mary Cleophas, a woman from Elizabeth's place, and that one of Anne's maids who had been with Mary in Bethlehem were there. A feast was held, such as been celebrated at the departure of the child Mary for the temple. Lamps burned above the table, and there were some old priests present. Things went on quietly. Though there was great joy over the child Jesus, yet it was a calm, inward joy. I have never seen such excitement among these holy souls. They partake of a slight repast, the women as usual eating apart from the men. I can remember no more of this vision although I must have been present in a very real way, for I had to accomplish in it a work of prayer. In Anne's garden, notwithstanding the season, I saw numbers of pears, plums, and other fruits still on the trees, although the leaves had already fallen. I have always forgotten to say a word about the weather in Palestine during the winter season, because being so accustomed to it myself, I think that everyone else knows it, too. I often see rain and fog, and sometimes snow, but it soon melts away, and I see many trees upon which fruit is still hanging. There are in the year several harvests, the first in what corresponds to our spring. In the present season, winter, I see the people on the roads, wrapped up in mantles which are thrown over the head also. On the sacred night of Christmas, I always see everything green, blossoming, and full of flowers, the animals frolicsome, the vineyards laden with luscious grapes, and I hear the sweet caroling of birds. But immediately after, it is again quiet, and just as it usually is there at this season. The tree outside of Bethlehem, under which Mary stood while Joseph was seeking an inn, was, as long as she remained under it, quite green. It afforded ample shelter. But when she left it, it resumed its wintry nakedness. This was perhaps only a mark of reverence, but the Blessed Virgin was fully conscious of it. The shepherd field was, however, already green at this season, for they watered it. The road from Anne's house to Joseph's in Nazareth was about one half hour's distance, and ran between gardens and hills. I saw Joseph at Anne's loading two asses with many different things, and going on before with Anne's maid to Nazareth. Mary followed with Anne, who carried the child Jesus. Mary and Joseph had no care of the housekeeping. They were provided with all things by Anne, who often went to see them. I saw her maid carrying provisions to them in two baskets, one on her head, the other in her hand. I saw the Blessed Virgin knitting or crocheting little robes. To her right side was fastened a ball of wool, and she laid in her hands two short needles of bone, I think, with little hooks at the end. One was about half an ell long, the other shorter. The stitches were arranged on the needles above the hooks. 
over which, in doing the work, the thread was thrown, and the stitch thus formed. The finished web hung between the two needles. I saw Mary thus working, either standing or sitting by the child Jesus, who lay in his little basket cradle. I saw St. Joseph, out of long strips of bark, yellow, brown, and green, plating screens, large services, and covers for ceilings. He had a stock of this woven board-like work piled under a shed near the house. He wove into them all kinds of patterns, stars, hearts, etc. I thought as I looked at them that he had no idea how soon he would have to leave all. I saw the Holy Family while at Nazareth, visited also by Mary Helly. She came with St. Anne, bringing with her her grandson, a boy of about four years, the child of her daughter Mary Cleophas. I saw the holy women sitting together, caressing the child Jesus and laying it in the little boy's arms, and they acted just as people do nowadays. Mary Helly lived in a little town about three hours east of Nazareth. She had a house almost as large as her mother's. It had a courtyard surrounded by a wall, and in it a well with a pump. On pressing with the foot at the base of the pump, the water flowed out into a stone basin before it. Mary Helly's husband was named Cleophas. Their daughter, Mary Cleophas, who had married Alpheus, lived at the other end of the town. That evening, I saw the holy women praying together. They were standing in front of a little table, which was fastened to the wall and covered with red and white. On it lay a roll which Mary unfolded and hung up on the wall. A figure was embroidered on it in pale colors. It was like a corpse entirely enveloped in a long white mantle. It had something in its arms. I saw a picture like it at Anne's during the festival, before Mary's departure for her presentation in the temple. A lamp was burning during their prayer. Mary stood a little in front of the table with Anne and Mary Helly on either side. At certain times, they crossed their hands upon their breast, folded them together, or stretched them forth. Mary read out of a roll that lay before her. They prayed in measured and steady tones. It reminded me of choir chanting. Part 21. The Flight into Egypt When Herod saw that the kings did not return, he thought they had failed to find Jesus, and the whole affair seemed to be dying out. But after Mary's return to Nazareth, Herod heard of Simeon's and Anna's prophecies at the presentation of the child in the temple, and his fears were reawakened. I saw him in as great disquietude as at the time of the king's stay in Jerusalem. He was conferring with some aged Jews who read to him from the long rolls of writings mounted on rods. He had given orders for a number of men to be gathered together in a large court, and there provided with weapons and uniforms. Things went on as they do with us when soldiers are recruited. I saw that he sent these troops to various places around Jerusalem, from which the mothers were to be summoned to the holy city. He caused their numbers to be everywhere ascertained. He took these precautions in order to prevent the tumult that would necessarily follow if the news of the projected slaughter of the children was spread. I saw those soldiers in three different places, in Bethlehem, in Gilgal, and in Hebron. The inhabitants were in great consternation because not able to divine why a garrison was placed in their towns. The soldiers remained about nine months in those places. The murder of the little ones began when John was about two years old. Anne and Mary Helly were still at the home of the Holy Family in Nazareth. Mary, with her child, slept in the apartment to the right behind the fireplace, and to the left, and between hers and that of St. Joseph, 
Mary Helly. These rooms were not so high as the house itself, and were cut off from one another only by wicker partitions. The ceiling also was of wickerwork. Mary's couch was surrounded by a curtain or screen. At her feet, in his own little bed, lay the infant Jesus within Mary's reach when she sat upright. I saw a radiant youth standing at the side of Joseph's couch and speaking to him. Joseph sat up, but overcome by sleep, again lay down. Then the youth caught him by the hand and raised him up. Joseph, now thoroughly aroused, stood up, and the youth vanished. Then I saw Joseph going to the lamp that burned in the center of the house and getting a light. He proceeded to Mary's chamber, knocked, and asked permission to enter. I saw him going in and speaking to Mary, who, however, did not open her screen. After this, he went out to the stable for the ass, and returning, went into a room wherein were stored all kinds of household goods. He was getting things ready for a journey. Mary arose, quickly clothed herself for traveling, and went to arouse Anne, who got up at once along with Mary Helly and the little boy. I can express how touching was the trouble of Anne and the sister. Anne embraced Mary over and over again with many tears, clasping her to her heart as if she were never to see her. The sister threw herself flat on the floor and wept. Only just before setting out did they take the infant Jesus from his little bed. They all pressed the child to their heart, and it was given to the little boy to embrace. Mary then took the child upon her breast, resting it in a strip of stuff that fastened over her shoulders. Long mantle enveloped both mother and child, and Mary wore over her head a large veil, which hung down on both sides of her face. She made but few preparations for the journey, and all she did was done quietly and quickly. I did not see her even swathing the child afresh. The holy travelers took only a few things with them, far fewer than they had brought from Bethlehem, only a little bundle and some coverings. Joseph had a leathern bottle filled with water and a basket with compartments in it, in which were loaves, little jugs, and live birds. There was a cross seat for Mary and the child on the ass, also a little footboard. They went forward a short distance with Anne, for they took the road in the direction to her house, only somewhat more to the left. When Joseph approached with the ass, Anne again embraced and blessed Mary, who then mounted and rode off. It was not yet midnight when they left the house. The child Jesus was twelve weeks old. I had seen three times four weeks. I saw Mary Helly going to her mother's house, in order to send Eliud with a servant to Nazareth after which she returned with the boy to her own home. I next saw Anne and Joseph's health packing everything up for Eliud and the servant to remove to her own house. The Holy Family passed by many places that night, and not till morning did I see them resting under a shed and taking a little refreshment. I saw them taking their first night's lodging in the little village of Nazareth, between Legio and Massaloth. The poor oppressed people of this place, who lodged the Holy Family, were not properly speaking, Jews. They had to go far over a mountainous road to Samaria to worship, for the temple was on Mount Gerizim, and they always had to work like slaves on the temple of Jerusalem and other public buildings. The Holy Family could go no further. They were well received by these outcasts, with whom they remained the whole of the following day. On their return from Egypt, they again visited those poor people. They did the same both going and returning from the temple the first time that the child Jesus made the journey to it. 
whole family at a later period was baptized by John, and they afterward joined the disciples of Jesus. The Holy Family, on their flight, met only three inns at which to spend the night. Here at Nazareth, again at Enim, or En Ganim, among the camel dealers, and lastly among the robbers. At other times they rested during their tiresome wanderings in valleys and caves in the most out-of-the-way places. Further on from Nazareth, I saw them hidden under the great pine tree near which Mary, on her journey to Bethlehem, had been so cold. The persecution of Herod was known in these parts, and it was consequently unsafe for them. The Ark of the Covenant had once rested under this tree, when Joshua assembled the people and made them renounce their idols. Later, I saw the Holy Family by a well and balsam bush resting and refreshing themselves. The branches of the bush were notched, and out of them oozed the balsam and drops. Child Jesus lay on Mary's lap, his little feet bare. To the left behind them lay Jerusalem far up above the level of the country in which they then were. When the Holy Family had passed the walls of Gaza, I saw them in the wilderness. No words can depict the difficulties of this journey. They always traveled a mile eastward of the ordinary highway, and as they shunned the public inns, they suffered the want of all necessaries. I saw them quite exhausted with not a drop of water. The little jug was empty, drawing near to a low bush some distance from the road. The Blessed Virgin alighted from the ass and sat down upon the dry grass. Suddenly there jetted high before them a spring of water, which spread over the plain. I witnessed their joy. Joseph dug a hole at a little distance and led the ass to it. The poor beast gladly drank from it as it filled. Mary bathed the child in the spring and refreshed herself. The sun shone out beautifully for a short time, and the weary travelers were strengthened and full of grateful emotion. They tarried here for two or three hours. On the sixth night, I saw them in a cave near the mount and city of Ephraim. The cave was in a wild ravine, about one hour's distance from the grove of Mambre saw the Holy Family arrive, worn out and dejected. Mary was very sad. She wept, for they were in want of everything. They rested here a whole day, and many wonders were vouchsafed them for their refreshment. Spring gushed forth in the cave. The wild goat came running to them and allowed itself to be milked. They were visibly consoled by an angel. One of the prophets had often prayed in this cave. Samuel had once sojourned in it. David had guarded his father's sheep around it and to it had often retired to pray. He had in this cave received through angels the divine commands, among them that to slay Goliath. The last stopping place of the Holy Family and Herod's dominion was near its confines. Innkeepers appeared to be camel dealers, for I saw a number of camels in an enclosed pasture ground. People were rude and wild, and they enriched themselves by thieving. Still they received the Holy Family most graciously. This place was distant a couple of hours, from the Dead Sea. Once I saw Mary sending a messenger to Elizabeth, who then brought her child to a very concealed place in the desert. Zachary accompanied her only a part of the way. When they reached a certain body of water, Elizabeth and the child crossed over on a raft, while Zachary went on to Nazareth by the same route taken by Mary on her visit to Elizabeth. I saw him on his journey. Perhaps he was going to make some inquiries, for there were some friends at Nazareth distressed at Mary's departure. On a starry night, I saw the Holy Family going through a sandy wilderness covered with low thickets. The scene was as vivid before me as if I were really crossing the desert with them. Here and there, under the corpse of wood, 
Venomous snakes lay coiled. With loud hissing, they approached the path and darted their heads angrily toward the Holy Family. But they, shielded by the light that environed them, stepped securely along. I saw other animals with immense fins like wings on their blackfish body, with short feet and a head like that of a fish. They darted along, flying over the ground. At last, the Holy Family came behind the bushes to a deep fissure in the ground, like the walls of a narrow defile, and here they rested. The last place in Judea by which they passed had a name that sounded like Mara. I thought of Anne's ancestral place, but it was not it. The people were very rude and uncivilized, and the Holy Family could get nothing from them by way of refresher. Leaving this last place, and scarcely knowing how to proceed, they pressed on through a desolate region. They could find no road, and a dark, pathless mountain height stretched out before them. Mary was exhausted and very sad. She knelt with Joseph, the child in her arms, and cried to God. And behold, several large wild beasts, like lions, came running around them, exhibiting friendly dispositions. I understood that they had been sent to show the way. They looked toward the mountain, ran thither, and then turned back again, just like a dog that wants someone to follow it. At last the holy family followed them, and after crossing the mountain, arrived at a very dismal region.